Haunted Basement, the podcast, is brought to you by Haunted Basement, the production company. Haunted Basement is a full-service video production company that creates professional content for every budget to promote your business or brand. Our portfolio has a bunch of different videos, including branded content, social ads, music videos, documentaries, and uh, our credits include an editing role on a feature film. We are a sibling-run production company, and together we have over three decades of experience working in film, TV, digital media, and marketing. So if you need a video to promote your business or brand, reach out. Get in touch. Let's talk. We have a link to our website in the show notes below. And you can also find us on Instagram at underscore Haunted Basement underscore. All right, let's start the episode. Welcome back to the basement. Today we are going to talk about one of our favorite childhood movies that uh, is still a favorite, I would say. Formative. Yeah. Childhood favorite, adulthood favorite. Current favorite. (laughs) (laughs) A goofy movie. We're talking about a goofy movie, people. A goofy movie. A goofy. A A goofy goofy movie. A goofy movie. Um, (laughs) How do you pronounce A or (laughs) And I think that before we get to our conversation about a goofy movie, we should talk about two things. First, AJ, I think a lot of the reason why Ashley and I also love the goofy movie with you is because at some point when you were growing up, you decided that Goofy was your favorite Disney character. Oh, absolutely. So much so that you bought like a three foot tall safari goofy stuffed animal in disney it's in my house right now at the time when i was a kid when you were loving goofy i was seeing that as like the equivalent of people saying that ringo star is their favorite beetle you know like (laughs) it felt like so alternative and cool and tell us why goofy appeals to you please he has a few features that i really appreciate in cartoon characters one he's got the messed up teeth those very spaced out teeth that I love also because I love doodling and he was just like really easy for me to doodle I could draw him pretty quickly another reason is because I don't know I'm a lanky person I was gonna say he's got big feet long arms I'm tall I slouch a little bit and I just saw a little bit of myself in his character and I consider myself somewhat of a goofy person and I think I knew that at a young age, what, back when I was five, six years old, when I first saw a Goofy movie. Out of all the Disney characters, he's the one getting blown up the most. He's like the clown out of all the Disney characters. And I think I appreciated, yeah, I appreciated that nothing could stop him. Yeah, he can get blown up or he gets stretched and thrown far away, but he's going to come back and look like Goofy after he goes through those trials. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. When I was watching a Goofy movie this time around, listening to Goofy's like weird scream, yell, yodel thing. Yeah. <laughs> very well done, yes. <laughs> Is that a variation of the Wilhelm scream? 
I don't know what that is. You'll hear it in like every movie that you watch, every action movie from now on. Because <gasps> the Wilhelm scream, when you actually pay attention to it, it isolated. It's so it's goofy. It like literally is goofy. Wow! Wow! <laughs> All right. The second thing is that I would be willing to bet that we were so smitten with this movie because of the music, but more specifically because Mom had this relationship with aerobics and like. The pop music, the house music of the nineties yeah. that glorious that, stuff. The, the print stuff that that Madonna. obviously is like influential in a goofy movie. And it felt as a kid kind of specifically tailored to us. Mm-hmm. I always say nineties house music is like comfort food to me because mom was a nineties aerobics instructor. She would bring us <laughs> yeah. when we were little kids when she couldn't find a babysitter, bring us to aerobics class. It was just ingrained into my being at such a young age. And also, mom and dad must have really loved you, AJ, because there's no way I would ever let a three-foot stuffed animal come home with us. Oh, yeah. that I was insistent on bringing <laughs> Goofy home with me. Well, stay tuned. We're going to talk about this movie, really break it down with my friend Keaton. Let's meet him. Let's go. Dun, 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 dun. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Haunted Basement, the podcast. I'm AJ. I'm Bubba. And I'm Ashley. We are siblings, and we run a production company called Haunted Basement. And this is our podcast where we talk about the movies, music, and pop culture that inspires and influences our video work. Today, our guest is a professional video magician working in the city of New York. His YouTube channel, Keaton World, has been churning out bizarre and funny videos for over 15 years, and he parlayed that early success into working for media companies like Complex and Alara Pictures. He's a video editor, motion graphics designer, sound designer, music maker. His music is our theme song, Keaton Monger. Actually, pause. Keaton, is your last name <laughs> pronounced Monger or is it Manger? <laughs> is that a real question? That's a real question. Is it French? People have asked that before and uh, I've never actually thought they were serious and maybe they are serious. It looks French to me. It's Monger. You said it very right the first time. Keaton, we are here today to talk about the Disney animated classic, A Goofy Movie, and... You have some history with this movie because on your YouTube channel, Keaton World, there's a video called Starlight Theater Presents, which we will link in the show notes. And a goofy movie is heavily featured in that short. Can you talk about the history of Starlight Theater Presents, your history with a goofy movie? Please tell us. I could like David Lynch it and be like, I don't want to elaborate. And I feel like that is the way you maintain the magic on why something works. And I've been surprised that that works because to me it was so obviously i like glued two things together kind of i had already had the idea that i wanted to do something where i panned down from credits that was so cool that you're like scrolling down credits and then like the camera just like lazily like starts to like go down 
when I saw that, I was like, this man is a genius. I think that was the first like thing outside of Complex that I saw of yours. I'm Hell like, yeah. I need to know more about Keith. I feel like my computer would break if I tried to piece that together, that comp and After Effects. Like, because I imagine you took screenshots and just stitched it together to like make the endless thing. That is how I did it. And it's not even good quality. It's it's YouTube. Rip. Stitched together. It's incredible. Oh, it works. <laughs> I feel like I still have vertigo from watching it last night. <laughs> it's a combination uh, of that plus your music taking eye to eye and stretching that song out. And it just is a disorienting and beautiful version of that song. So I definitely had done that music item like a few years before I had touched any of this stuff. And then I can't remember really the order of operations, but I think I did the Goofy Movie credits just because I like the way those credits look with those little funny shapes. It really feels like you're watching some sort of DVD special feature oh, or like DVD so main funny. menu from hell. <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to any other episodes of this podcast, Keaton, but one thing we talk about a lot are titles of movies and how we normally get them wrong. So like when I'm thinking about a goofy movie, yeah. I usually say the goofy movie. So when I was watching your your video, it said like the a goofy movie. And I was like, the a goofy yes. movie. <laughs> movie. It yeah. was so funny. I love that. Well, that's how this movie starts. It's like a movie and then Goofy comes crashing into it. As a kid, I didn't notice that until my brother, who's also a really big fan of this movie, he's three years older than me. He was the one that sort of pointed out that at the beginning it says a movie and then the Goofy crash. I don't think that I was that was hitting me or or the fact that they didn't put the the until he pointed it out. And uh, yeah. yeah, it happened the other day. My girlfriend called it the Goofy movie. And I was like, actually, it's a Goofy movie. Actually, and let me we'll tell you something. <laughs> Did you see it in theaters when it came out in 1995? Yes. Hell yeah. I can't remember if we did. Really? I don't know. I distinctly remember having the clamshell VHS. We would watch that yeah. so much, but I don't know if we saw it in theaters. I don't remember so seeing it in I, theaters. Oh, I think the seeing it in theaters thing is so much of what frames my experience of how I kind of feel about the movie now and how I felt about it as a kid because I was pretty embarrassed about it seeing it I feel like with my family as a kid especially it's starting out on the kind of like love stuff and it's sort of sexual almost immediately and like you got legs yeah. moving but and you got curves <laughs> And Roxanne is a real cutie, guys. Roxanne's a real cutie. And then that whole <laughs> opening song, people are making out and stuff. And it's like, yeah. that's really smart because it makes you feel like you understand the grief of Max and how he's feeling left out. Uh -huh. But as a kid, it just made me feel like this is the stuff I least like about movies is when they start like kissing and stuff. Like, this is what this whole movie is going to be. Uh, but yeah. I overall loved the humor of the movie so overall i remember walking away really thinking that it was something special as a kid uh even though i was embarrassed by a lot of stuff in it can somebody just give a brief synopsis of a goofy movie for anybody that hasn't seen this film before 
Anyone who hasn't seen it, get out of here. Stop listening, watch it, and come it's back. It's streaming on Disney+. Plus. Highly recommend. A Goofy movie is about Max Goofy, who is in middle school or high school. Wait, Max Goofy or Max Goof? Max? Is it, what's their is last it goof? name? Is, is it Goof? <laughs> oh, oh, it's Goof. Because it's goofy goof? Goofy's name is Goofy Goof, right? Oh, no. I, think I don't okay. know. Goofy I boy. found I something about Goof. what his name was at one point, and I was oh, like, boy. what? Oh, God. Anyway, take two. A Goofy movie's about Max Goof, who's either in middle school or high school. He's got a crush on Roxanne. A real cutie. He's also in the midst of puberty, so he's like, I don't want to turn into my dad who's a big goof. I want to look really cool and sexy for Roxanne, so she wants to go out with me. So in the beginning of the movie... He, with the help of PJ and Bobby, he crashes the end of year talk that the principal's giving about what they can do over summer vacation. Um, he crashes it and he he sort of performs as Powerline, who is this prince-like pop figure, and he impresses Roxanne. And then he's going to like go out, he's going to go to a party with Roxanne, but he gets... Feeling on top of the world. Feeling on top of the world. Everything's changed. But the principal is Principal Mazer. Mazer, what's his name? Mazer, played by Wal- Mazer, played by Wallace Shawn. He <laughs> calls Max's dad Goofy, and he's like, "Your son is a menace. He's bound for the electric chair, and you <laughs> better get him chair. in order, or he's gonna be he's a menace to society." And Goofy, who is a photographer, and he looks very much like. Joaquin Phoenix and the Master at the beginning hey. of this movie. <laughs> Big time. Um, yeah. <laughs> he um, gets really freaked out because he wants his son to grow up to be a good person. Who he doesn't, doesn't go want his son to the electric, in the electric chair. chair. Yeah, but get okay. to the point here a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, and then they go, they go, they go on this road trip. A lot of things happen. Uh, they get in a fight, and Max wants to go to L.A. to go on the Powerline concert to impress Roxanne. Goofy wants to go somewhere on the camping thing. And then they get in a fight. They meet Bigfoot. They fall off a waterfall. And at the end of the movie, they end up in Los Angeles. They end up reigniting their father and son bonds. They're dancing at the Powerline concert. And then they go home. What happens when they go home? They do a lot of smart stuff with crossfade to to skip over stuff and kind of get yeah. into the <laughs> next thing. But yeah, they're, he's just on her, at Roxanne's porch and she's excited. Exactly. And he fesses up. And he laughs and Roxanne says, I've always liked your laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's that's the plot of this movie. The briefer like log line <laughs> to this movie maybe is... <laughs> A son and his father go on a road trip and kind of reconcile their relationship. Amen. I mean. Amen. It's a road trip movie where a father and son bond. Yeah. Right. right okay. Because the first pitch that just came out made it sound like more what I would like the movie to be, where it's about a kid in high school dealing with a bunch of stuff and his dad's yeah. doing all this photography. I kind of wish that was the whole movie. I kind of wish they didn't go on the road trip it's kind of like all right i mean i know we're gonna see some fun stuff but i'm like can we stick around at home for a couple more scenes let's see what's going yeah what else is going on at I the think, store the, i think that's probably how they started it because do you guys remember the show goof troop goof yeah. troop 
Only kind so of. I mean, show. I knew the title, but I they never like, watched early Disney Channel-ish stuff. So I read that they like originally wanted it to be more of just like an extension of Goof Troop where they are home, probably going to work at Sears or JCPenney's where they take those pictures. But then it became more of a father-son movie. Because you already slightly feel alienated by these characters if you've never watched Goof Troop and you're like, damn it, am I supposed to already know who the fuck all these characters are? And then they drive away from them and it's like, oh, that's fine. Okay, so I had not ever heard or considered that this was like a huge movie in the black community. Oh, absolutely. So I read an article about how a goofy movie is the blackest Disney movie ever made. So this article was on a website called The The Black Nerd, and it was written by this guy named Jordan Calhoun. So when I was watching the movie, I wrote down that quote about like, if you don't get your son in order, he's going to go to the electric chair. And I was like, that's extreme. Like, why did they say that? The principal called Goofy and he says, Dressed like a gang member. Gang member? Your son caused the entire student body to break into a riotous frenzy. What? Couldn't be mine. If I were you, Mr. Goof, I'd seriously reevaluate the way you're raising your child before he ends up in the electric chair. The electric chair. 1995 was not that far removed from the L.A. riots of 1992. So, yeah, of course, Mm -hmm. that had to have been in the cultural air. Plus the war on drugs kind of mentality. I can totally see that kind of seeping into people in the early 90s or at least Disney Disney principles, you know, idea of the world at this point. This movie is a very American movie, but from the research that I did about the making of this movie... All the animation was outsourced to either France or Australia, which sort of boggles my mind. But animation can mean that they get right up to the point that it just needs to be actually physically like animated, which is definitely a skill, but that is outsourced quite often. It was still in a Disney studio, but like the Disney studios in Paris and Australia. And that's because Katzenberg, when when he got this project going, I think the general consensus was like, this is a B-level or C-level movie, so we're not yeah. going to put a, a ton of money behind it. I guess they were making Pocahontas around the same time. Pocahontas right. and Toy Story. Quick aside, Toy Story and a Goofy movie have the same title design. Oh, yeah, yes. that 90s sort of 100%. like boxy thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the red trapezoid, baby. This is your trapezoid, And yeah. they're in the credits. They're in the credits of both movies, too. And they're they both 1995, but they both have the same. Yeah, it's like, come on, guys. But uh, anyway, uh, like this is supposed to be a B-level, C-level movie. Uh, and that makes sense. A-work. That makes sense. But it it being called a goofy movie, probably they were like, also, holy fuck, this could have mass appeal to like all their parents and everybody. Like, let's not focus on extension of all these characters that they don't fucking know it at all. Which, that was such a smart move. Yeah, I'm surprised too, because a lot of the, like, the the backgrounds, especially when they start getting out on the open road, it feels so perfectly Disney Americana. But yeah, there's some French animators that are, like, putting together a lot of those images. But didn't it feel, like, too American sometimes? Like, oh, there they are. At one point when they're on the road trip, they're, like, at the ocean. And then they're at the amusement park. I'm like... 
Where are they going <laughs> where, that they can go to the, the ocean? Geography is hilarious because they make their way to like Oregon to see, you know, Sasquatch or Bigfoot, yeah, yeah. like, you know, the second yeah, stop so, like, of the trip. They're just hitting up all their <laughs> traditional American stops here. So in Hawaii, well, it kind of makes sense. He says it's two days to Lake Destiny when they're at the Bigfoot stop. And then most of the montage stuff happens after that. It's kind of a weird line. It's almost just because wa- they wanted him to say, like, it's only a couple days till Lake Destiny. It just sounded right. Because it, d- yeah. you know, the way it, it play, plays in the movie, it seems like there's many days happening afterwards, which is what they want those montages probably to achieve. It was like such a classic 90s montage. I can't remember quite what the what the music was like, but I was like, oh my God, this is like straight from a 90s sitcom right now. Like, Goofy was doing all the cringy things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then they interact with a mime. It looks like they're in yeah. New Orleans. Oh my god! In New Orleans, a mime in New Orleans. I right? guess yeah. it's a joke. I guess it's a joke that they're jumping around because that part I stood out where I was like, well, "This is weird." I thought that was weird too because I, while it looks like obviously it's supposed to be New Orleans, it also looks straight from um, a a place in Disney, Liberty Square, which is New Orleans. There's a lot of Disney stuff in this because it's a Disney movie, but. Uh, Lester's Possum Farm. Lester's Possum Farm. It's like a precursor to um, when Katzenberg left to go to DreamWorks and he made Shrek and the sort of like um, Welcome yeah, to Dulac or whatever yes, that, 100%. that song is. Welcome to Dulac, such a perfect town. Here we have some rules Disney brand and they didn't go too far because they're not actually poking fun at Disney but they're able to like poke fun of like the childness the t- childishness of Disney at probably right at the right time when people yeah. were not expecting that when they went to go see this movie and probably right. were laughing their asses off. I know we were at everything that felt like the radio. Oops, there goes another tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know it's- if that is a Disney thing, but it feels like it. Without them poking at like an actual zippity doo dah or something. One of the things that I liked that was like poking fun was when Goofy's packing up and Max just comes home from his high, and uh, he's like, Max is like, "Where are you going, pops?" And he's like. I'm getting ready to go out with my best friend. And Max is like, who, Donald Duck? And he's like, no, silly you. So then I was like, when is this movie supposed to take place? Because, like, Max has a Mickey Mouse phone. When I saw that, I was like, is Goofy part of, like, the Mickey Mouse world? Is he retired? Does he know them? Because, like, they also have a Disney keychain. Yeah, where the where the Disney multiverse are we here? This you is know? very much a huge part of why I think so much about this movie is all the things you just now listed. That line, I th- I think is the best line in the movie, and I noticed in like the trailer they play it at right at the beginning. Going somewhere, Pop? Sure. It's a vacation with me and my best buddy, Donald Duck. No, silly. With you. It's so perfect, and it's such a good hook for, like, adults that are like, what the fuck is this mm-hmm. thing? And, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even though Donald Duck makes, like, a cameo, and it is a cameo, because it is not even a, like, hey, like, they have a line, like, it is quick yeah. as fuck. 
but like you know they're in this universe but yes like the fact that mickey is on the phone like in his bedroom and they show that right from the beginning at least sets you makes you ready for that sort of i don't want to call it meta-ness because when i've thought about it i'm like i don't know if it's meta by like definition that they have this stuff but it's definitely some weird universe where walt disney exists and they're like very strongly associated with him and fans of him yeah they're playing games where they're trying to guess a person and it, it it's walt disney they they reference that twice it's like the you know they're aware of their creator in this world it doesn't which i mean i guess we you know, some people, I guess, are aware of the creator in this world, too, but... Oh, uh, it's just all religious on us here. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's so okay. good. In 95, come on, that's good for a movie. You're like, what is happening? I've never seen this. And now it is time for our newest segment, Kids Critic, where we talk about today's film with tomorrow's generation. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Rory and Reagan. Hello, Rory? I showed him my lip and it's bleeding. Oh no, you have a bloody lip. Did you put some ice on it? Yes. Yeah, is it feeling better now or does it still hurt? It still hurts. Okay. Rory, you know what movie I watched the other night? No. A goofy movie. Have you ever seen a goofy movie? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. Who was your favorite character in a Goofy movie? Goofy. Did you like Bigfoot? Um, yeah, he's funny. Yeah. Um, Who's going to sing Eye to Eye or Stand Out? Eye to Eye, Eye to Eye. What's Stand Out? Stand Out. I don't know. Why do you think he wears gloves? Mm-hmm. I don't know either. To keep the hands warm. Keep the hands warm. That's a good idea. Yeah. Warm and clean. <laughs> what was the funniest moment? What made you really laugh? <laughs> okay. I, I like that part too. What do you think the movie's about? About <laughs> And about Goofy too. If you shout it, it'll make it more true. <laughs> well, we loved hearing your thoughts about a Goofy movie. Thank you for asking me questions. Thanks for talking with us. We love the Goofy movie. <laughs> All right, well, Rory, I hope your lip feels better. I hope you have a good weekend, Rory and Reagan. All right. See you soon. Something else that I read that I was like, oh, yeah. So this movie came out. They call it like the the Disney Renaissance, you know, started with The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast. This movie came out like in the midst of all that. And in all those movies, there's a clear bad guy villain. And in this movie, there really is no oh, villain. Yeah. Uh, I never thought no. of I would say... I don't know about don't that. Say Miser. Don't say I would Pete. Say Miser. Pete. <laughs> I would say it's Pete. Pete? Yeah. For sure. I don't think Under so. Under thumb, goof. Maybe you ought to just back off. I don't know. Wrong, goof. 
Look, if you keep them under your thumb, they'll never end up in the gutter. If he is the antagonist, it's so great how they set him up at the photo studio to be such a nice, I'm going to try to be a nice guy thing, is such a perfect, confusing antagonist, if he is yeah. the antagonist. Did you all know that the voice of Pete, Jim Cummings, is also the voice of Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Get out of Tasmanian here. Devil, Cat, and Cat Dog? Man, get out of here. Holy cow. Under your thumb. How can he cross Disney to the Warner Brothers? Yeah, the paycheck will make you cross lines. <laughs> yeah. No villain. It's a lovely movie. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I don't know if that's the hot debate no position. There's no I, villain. I think there is a villain, but that's okay. <laughs> there's an antagonist. There's not maybe like, you know, there's a no villain. Ursula. There's no scar. Totally. These You're so right. Were, these movies had very clear bad guys who were like, right. you'll have nightmares about. You're so right. I didn't really think about that as being a big reason that this movie is different. But yes, absolutely. Yeah. I knew it felt more yes. like a movie that I just like would watch as a live action yeah. movie. But yeah. Right. Despite the fact that there isn't any like nightmarish uh, evil villain or anything like that, I do remember as a kid being so struck by like how, uh, for lack of a better word, scary some scenes were, where there were these like kind of uh, unsettling, scary, emotional, like tonal shifts in this movie. And for example, uh, when Goofy receives the phone call and hangs up, there's, I can't describe the scene well, but like all of a sudden the lighting changes. He goes from like this, he goes from like sterile mall environment to like spotlights on him and he has this like existential dread moment or whatever. It's so good. And it's like, and as a kid, like I didn't fully understand why that was happening, but the composers that uh, did the score for this, not just the soundtrack, not just Tevin like rocking the Uh Prince style jams, but. Whoever did the original score, like, completely hit the emotional beats exactly Uh right. The other example I'll give is when the map pops out of the glove compartment and Max is confronted with this, like, you know, it, it, like, it is so perfectly made, you know, a six-year-old kid, like, completely understands what's happening and it resonates as deeply as, like, an adult understanding the, you know, kind of the implications on on a deeper level. It's supposed to be funny, right? That like he he kind of thinks if he in a cartoonish way just changes the line, Goofy will just follow it blindly and everything will just work out. It's supposed to be funny in and of itself too, right? That's that is really funny. <laughs> when the map is first introduced, Goofy is saying, "Look, this is the same map that me and my dad used." That you know. I don't, I'm maybe making this part up, but like, yeah, you're right. Map that's been handed down from generation to generation. Oh, maybe. And the fact, and like, the, and they've always had one, basically one pencil line, right, to mark that map. And it's always been the same route. So I think, if anything, the rebellion that Max kind of, you know, exhibits or like acts on by even erasing that line from this like family heirloom and adding a new mark on it, like, that's that's for rebellion enough or something like even if Goofy, if he if in the back of him if his mind he's like Goofy's not gonna follow this like that's that's somehow doing something for Big him. Big time, and I can see they set that up now when they introduce the map. He even set, like he says like mm-hmm. you'll crinkle history or something when Max like touches it kind of like a wrong way like right off the bat he's like you're you're gonna totally. erase history. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. But I think that's why, again, we all agree this movie is so good because every scene almost is about like coming to terms with yourself and kind of gaining confidence and and becoming one with your family. That's ultimately what this movie is about. The fear of becoming your parent, but you realize like you take aspects of your parents' personality and you mold them into your own unique personality. And Max right. had to learn to accept his goofy laugh right. to, as part but of him. that's also why like, I can watch it now as an adult and enjoy it because I can see it from like goofy side while Ann Max's side. My kids can watch and enjoy it because it's funny yeah. and it's just visually appealing. It's so good. I'd rather watch this movie than Little Mermaid any day. It just seems like somewhere along the way, this team working on a goofy movie was like, we're not going to make this a, a, B, a B movie. Like, this thing's going to be a work of art. Yeah. Totally. I just want to also sneak in this little tidbit that at one point, Steve Martin was considered to be the right choice to voice Goofy in this wow. movie. At least that's what Katzenberg wanted. Could you yeah. imagine Steve Martin delivering the line, How what? many cups of sugar <laughs> does it take to get to the moon? I don't um, get that. I, I don't movie. think it would have worked at all. Yeah, it would have been no. so weird. I don't Bill right. Farmer that at all. killed it. Bill Farmer. Bill Farmer took him two it. and a half right. years of recording his voice for this movie for them to get it right. Michael Eisner originally wanted him to just voice it like a regular person, and Bill Farmer was like, uh, "Okay." And then after like a while of that, you're like, "Okay, just do the goofy voice." But hadn't he been doing goofy for so long? He, he had been, but they were just—I think they were worried about. Well, that was for TV. This is for a movie. It needs to be bigger, better. It's cool he can do he can do dramatic scenes like the whirlpool scene with Pete mm. and have that voice as he's saying like oh, yeah. trust muscle is great. Yeah. It's so cool. Yes. Yeah. So good. Yes. I don't need to check the map. I trust my son. You know, maybe Max isn't all the things that you think a son should be, but he loves me. Well, now that makes more sense because I I wrote this down. Bill Farmer, who's played Goofy since 1987, talked about like how much Disney changes Goofy, and and like even while he's been playing him, but historically he's like he's been very plain and simple. They've made him a dad every man. At one point, they changed his name to George G. G. And got what? rid of his E. George G. G. <laughs> I don't know what's spelled. How do you spell that? <laughs> it's spelled G E E F, like beef, but G. <laughs> They're gonna rename Goofy G. <laughs> yeah, this was a while ago. <laughs> that was for the they French did. movie. They, they they changed. <laughs> you mean they like for the nineties, like to be cool? He's chief. No, I don't know. I don't know what year. This was before Bill Farmer played him, I think. And they got rid of his ears. It's like they didn't know who they wanted Goofy to be. No, Goofy, no, no. I, I feel like we could talk forever about Goofy, but I also just want to say, like, Goofy's a dog. Pluto's a dog, right? And I just feel like they should be. They should both be pissed. Yeah, like, it's funny. All the mice get, you know, their anthropomorphic selves. They're all, like, treated the same, and then... Pluto's like, what the hell? I can't be like human, like goofy. I guess it's okay for anthropomorphic dogs to also live in a universe where there's just dogs. <laughs> it's so yeah. weird. I don't know. Well, um, I think that, you know, anything that feels like there's tension and like 
father and son are fighting there and stuff, you know, that can make you feel kind of like if you're having an argument or a tense time with your father, you're like, hey, it's okay. Look, Bax and Goofy even fucking went through it and they got through it. Weirdly, there's a connection there. You can kind of like think about things seem pretty bad for them. They're floating on that car fighting and stuff. How could things get any worse? Things were things aren't even as bad for me as they are for Max and Goofy. And look, they got through it. And I think that the father and son relationship thing, to be honest, as a kid, felt so aggressively sad that I was I was pretty sad about the movie, to be honest, as like a younger person. Yeah. It was like it was pretty yeah. big downer. And I wanted to say a lot of movies that go from TV adaptations to the movie like the Powerpuff Girls movie or the Rugrats movie or the Pokemon movie, something I've thought a lot about. They turn it into the sad movie. And I think the SpongeBob movie, even though they do that and it's a little bit awkward, they try at least to make it feel like something you could laugh along with and it's kind of a joke, even though it has that emotional arc. They, I think, make it work right. And there's other movies as just a a downer yeah. and this is one that's a downer you can appreciate when as you grow older okay. yeah the power line scenes really lift this movie way up into the yeah. heavens so if you're feeling sure. down just wait <laughs> for the bookends i love bookend that scene <laughs> electric yeah. that's 100%. true i love that we never get any mention of mrs goofy goofy's mom no, ever. there are like no mom. there are no moms really in this movie at yeah, all that's interesting Pizza single dad, and then Roxanne has 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 her dad come to the door. My girlfriend said Pete might not be a single dad. It's not really implied. It could be, but they don't really. But Goofy definitely is. Goofy has to be. There's never. There's like never evidence either way. Then like, what about the TV show? I didn't see it. Do they go into? Uh, Pete, I think, did have a hot wife, if I remember correctly, and yeah, Goofy and Max. Max doesn't have a mom. Your but mom if, died. It, oh. Yeah, if, if if that's the case, then like it kind of explains why Goof is trying to like you know to win his son back as as much as well, he is. Well, and I and... think that they do that. I I think now that I think about it, at the beginning, you know, after the dream sequence, when we see Goofy, he's wearing the turban towel and um, yeah. uh, towel wrapped around him, like very feminine, traditionally yeah. feminine. So maybe they're implying he is the mom and the dad. (laughs) That's cute. I think if you're looking for it and you really want to go on a deep dive on like on kind of the, you know, the family dynamics and uh, the emotion of this, that there's something to dig into with the missing Mrs. Goof and the missing mom in this. But they don't Um, want you to think about that at all. They don't want you to think about it, but it's like you could really, you could. But you can accept (laughs) it kind of like a cartoon though. It's like you don't think about with Bugs Bunny or any dynamics like further beyond what's going on there. And I guess yeah. for this one, it was very smart to not utter a single word about it because then it would yeah. get complicated. Okay, so the opening dream sequence, right? Love that yeah, sequence. It ends, it ends with the nightmare of Max. He's transforming into Goofy. He's transforming into his dad. And he's terrified and Roxanne is terrified, right? Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Obviously... That sets up this whole kind of complex where Max is Max is is pubicizing, as mom would say, and he's recognizing <laughs> that he is becoming his dad. He has like a few of his dad's traits, namely 
his laugh, which surprise twist, spoiler alert, Roxanne actually loves is the reason why she loves Max, which is fantastic. But I think every child probably, especially every son has a moment where they, they recognize the traits, the attributes of their parents, like that they're growing into, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, becoming a teenager and having like either family members or close friends say like, oh my God, you're so much like your dad or like, that's exactly what your dad would say. And you start thinking like you're a teenager. You're like, no, 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 I'm my own person. What are you talking about? Like, there's no, there's no like predestined fate where like, I just end up being dad. Like I, I am whoever I want to be, you know, as a teenager, Mm -hmm. it's tough. It's it's tough. And then there's a moment, I think uh, when you finally become an adult where you're like, my dad's fantastic and I'm happy to have all of his features and his juicy eyebrows, you know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, nice. it just resonates. I imagine that's a pretty universal experience for a lot of kids growing up. Yeah, right. Um, all right, quick hits. Quick I've got hits. a few. What the hell is up with the traveling nuns? Like, what? why Why are there so <laughs> the same group good, of like four that's nuns? That's a good question. Is everywhere, know. and they're following Goofy and Max like across the country. And I think Are they, they end up at, at the, the Powerline concert. concert? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Like, is that it? Is the point like it's funny that nuns are going to a concert? Second quick hit is Polly Shore, who oh, does so such good. a great job with Bobby, right? Yeah. yeah. He, I didn't realize that he's uncredited, and he and he chose to remain uncredited for this film in the what? same way that Robert Williams is uncredited in Aladdin because he didn't want Disney using his name to like advertise the film where he didn't Whoa. want Disney to just say like Polly Shore in. That seems crazy about Robin Williams to be honest. Yeah, I had no idea. I don't know if it's like, is that an altruistic thing or is it just like, I don't want like my name to be the first but thing pa- up on this Pauly like cartoon Shore, or something. For Polly Shore, it feels kind of like he can kind of be like, it does not fucking kind of like matter and that's what makes us seem cool. For Robin Williams, yeah. it seems like they'd be like, we're going to sue you if you don't put your name right. on the poster. Yeah, that's talk crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Don't... Slurpage. <laughs> <laughs> I have a quick hit. The droopy woman hit. at the photo shoot, the woman who brings <laughs> in the person <laughs> the mom. who Pete has to deal with is the mom. <laughs> oh, the so only perfect. mom in this movie is just so She's, droopy. Yes. And she Aww. does nothing. She just stands there <laughs> with that one face. Oh, and that, man. I want to say, like, so as I don't an think overall these people thing, that women. and the Elvis turning around in the diner and the way just the movie yeah. was written was, to me, I think, like, a fresh style of humor that I wasn't seeing on TV and felt very, like, uh, like I was supposed to see these characters and other things or something, or, or like, this was a, a universe they were establishing for more movies. Like, it, it felt, like, so well thought out that i think the style of humor i don't know what these people were on was very fresh what is your favorite or most quotable line that you find yourself using in day-to-day conversation how many cups of sugar does it take (laughs) to to get get to to the moon moon? i used to i used to pretend i was sleep talking and say that how many cups of sugar does it take to get to the moon Three and a half. But I feel like we have served each other like breakfast many times. I've been like withholding the plate going eggs. 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 (laughs) I think that is the most quotable for sure. Eggs. Eggs. 
Fucking. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, right here. Sorry. Here you go, cutie. And then I used to really hate um, those cheese sprays. Yeah. They just make me gag, but I'll always associate those the cheese sprays sprays with cheese. <laughs> yeah, I'll always associate that with this movie. Huh? Max, look. It's the Leaning Tower of Cheesa. Huh. Um, so what are you watching, Keaton? Well, AJ sort of recommended a movie to me, I thought, and I went and saw it, and I didn't like it at all. <gasps> oh, tell us, tell no. us, tell us. Skinamarink. That is not the title of a movie, That's you guys. That's the title saw. of the movie. But yeah. Keaton, my quick reaction to that is like, is anyone supposed to like this movie? You know, are you supposed to enjoy it? And I, IFC shouldn't pick it up for distribution then. If it's not supposed to be liked. IFC and uh, Shutter. Ash, so it's a horror movie set in a suburban say, house. I was going to say, is this your new uh, Barbacoff, whatever that <laughs> movie's called? Barbarian. <laughs> Barbarian. Um, It is much more frightening and experimental than Barbarian, in my opinion. Definitely experimental. Yeah. It's basically this experimental 100-minute movie set in a suburban house. Grainy footage that you can barely even make out what's happening on screen a lot of the time. But it's about these two kids who are stuck in the house, basically, in their childhood home. And it's like, it's never, the plot isn't really clear but it seems like their parents are abusive and they're they're trying to like hide from their parents and like crazy shit happens that was a really generous synopsis i thought that's how i read it and i think there can be a million different readings of this can i give a synopsis a movie where two very young children watch royalty free cartoons on like (laughs) archive.org all night and they play with legos and you're seeing shots of walls and carpets and halfway through the movie a chair appears upside down on the ceiling and then after that there's two jump scares randomly yeah very very loud scary most of it is shots of of the ceiling yeah, and yep. walls you, and the carpet. You don't even get to see the upper half of like any of the characters until like the very end. You know, she would hate their ankles. I will not be I, seeing. Would, I will send movie. you the trailer. And you will hate the trailer. It very much yeah, like trailers like, incredible. I don't even like the sounds of it. You know how so. scary our house used to be when we were little and like all the lights were off. I still get and like, scared creak. when a, when a house creaks. I it's, still well, get scared. It reminded me of that in this house. Paranormal activity in this movie I'd put in a really similar category. And I can see how it could work for some people, that they're sitting there engulfed in it, and when there is a jump scare, you're like, I'm scared. But both of those movies, all I'm thinking is like, this is an extremely low-budget attempt at like scoring a big box office hit, and they did it. They did it. They, they, they... 
they hit that money though. They hit the cha-ching. Oh, button. did oh, they? Definitely. I've never even heard oh, of it. hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's definitely like, like in the like New York, this? L.A. Kitty Marine, Kitty, yeah, Kitty, exactly. Yeah. Kitty but imagine. Marine. I think that's probably what the oh, title's supposed to be based on. Definitely. Yeah. Well, this is the thing about this movie, and AJ AJ said it when uh, after he watched and we talked about it, it was AJ said he was bored by it, yeah. like often, and you are, and so I think it's I think it's intentional, it? you know, I think it's super intentional. Like you're so bored, you're looking at the loop of the grain, yeah, absolutely. No. But I, I think I, I don't know. I no, respect you, you I respect it. I don't love watching it. I feel like the I don't one thing you shouldn't be with a movie is bored. No, not but if you're bored, paying for it's it, baby. Bored be, you're bored because they're trying to make you feel what these kids are feeling, yeah. which is like the you know low level anxiety where you're like, are we out of the woods yet? And then when you when you're slapped with that title of you know five hundred and seventy six days, it kind of makes sense that like that I feel like I've fun. been here for three there years. There actually were a couple of fun moments. Uh, honestly, there were a couple of like fun moments. But that is me being really, 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 really generous because I think you actually could sit there and watch the whole thing and not completely understand that there's actually even supposed to be two kids there. I mean, they barely show, but like their feet. Yeah, you hear them a couple times. It reminded me so much of Inland Empire, where like I respect it, I admire it, it scared the shit out of me. I'm not rushing to watch it again. Is it a scary? It's the scariest movie I've ever seen. (laughs) It's terrifying. (laughs) It's so terrifying. (laughs) Well, um, that wraps up our discussion about a goofy movie. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Thank you, Keaton, for coming on to the show. Do you want to plug anything that you've been working on lately? No, it was a blast to be here. Google my name, Keaton Munger, if you want to see me. Yeah, everybody, obviously watch a goofy movie and uh, definitely check out Starlight Theater Presents uh, that Keaton put together. But try to forget everything that you know about this conversation and everything that we said said about Starlight Theater Presents because it's even better when you don't expect the goofy movie to be (laughs) part of it. So, like, try (laughs) not, like, watch it, but try not to think about anything to do with what we were just talking about. Hell yeah, I appreciate that. Hell yeah. We'll talk to you later. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 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 If we we listen listen to to each other's the end. Alright, that's it. That's it. We're done. We're done. And cut. Okay. <laughs>